two years since we were here last, uh, so you can guess things have changed for us in coming back to Charlotte Chapel. It doesn't look quite the same. Um, it looks fantastic, uh, and it's really great to be able to come and worship in what to you is now the old new sanctuary. To us, it's still a very new, new uh, building. We're very grateful for your prayers uh, as we've been in Vietnam and your support over these last few years and over many years, and uh, particularly our, your prayers too for Rebecca. Thank you for many who've been praying for her. Well, this evening we're going to look briefly at Psalm 67. Uh, if you have a Bible, um, if you have a church Bible, I don't know what the page is, I'm afraid, but it's Psalm 67. It's about the middle of the Psalms in about the middle of the Old Testament. Psalm 67. If you want a Bible, just wave your hand and I think somebody will bring you one. For the director of music with string instruments, a psalm, a song. This is something that all the people of God were to sing together. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine on us. Do you want God to bless you? Yes. I hear a very subdued Scottish yes. Do you want God to bless you? Yes. A bit more into Sometimes we visit a Portuguese church in London, and they'd be going, yes! You know, they think they're at a football match when they come to church and respond appropriately. Um, do you want God to bless you? Of course you want God to bless you. I realize it's, it's your, your Scottishness that means you can't react like Brazilians, but yeah, we want God to bless us. I mean, sometimes when we're asked a question like that, maybe you're thinking, well, you know, what's the catch? You know, I, I, I know what our thinking is like. What's the catch? Is, is there something here? But there isn't. God wants to bless us. God is our lovingly heavenly Father. He's made us His children, His sons and daughters. And as a father, He loves to bless His children. In the last few years, we've been blessed with a couple of grandchildren. And you know what? grandparents are like with grandchildren. You know, we've known for months we're coming back to the UK, so Amory keeps coming back from the shops and saying, I've, I've just bought this extra thing for the grandchildren. <laughs> I'm sure that's quite unique in grandparent behavior, but um, a parent loves to bless. A grandparent loves to bless. God loves to bless. And, and the words that are taken up here in the beginning of the psalm, that God be gracious to us and bless us and make His face shine on us, they're the words that were given to the priests in Numbers, the Aaronic priests to bless the people of Israel. The Lord said to Moses, tell Aaron and his sons, this is how you are to bless the Israelites. Say to them, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face shine and be gracious to you. The Lord turn His face towards you and give you peace. And, and those kind of words are being taken up here. But, but the message is, you don't have to wait for the priest to bless you. You can come to God, and as the people of God, you can sing to God, bless us, us, be gracious to us, us, bless us, make His face shine on us. And it's okay, it is right to look to God and to ask for His blessing. We're encouraged to do that. And as we come to pray tonight, it's okay to pray for us, not just other people, but us, 
Sometimes we're a bit embarrassed by us, us, us. But we do that in a much bigger context of the purposes of God's blessing. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make His face shine on us so that, so that your ways may be known on earth and your salvation among all nations. And God loves to bless us because God blessing His people is the first steps towards God blessing His world. It's never meant to just stop with us. We're not meant to just grab a hold of that blessing and keep it to ourselves. It is always the first steps to God blessing His world. And, and this has echoes of God's calling of Abraham in Genesis chapter 12. And if you know the Bible story, you know things begin with the perfect creation and then they go steadily downhill with sin and the fall and the flood. And God's answer to this is the call of Abraham in Genesis chapter 12, when he says to him, the Lord said to Abraham, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you I will curse, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. I will bless you, Abraham. But the purpose, the end goal of this is that everybody is going to be blessed because of the blessing that has started with Abraham. It is for all nations. Why did God choose Abraham? Why did God choose Abraham and not the next tribal leader or some great king or some other guy? We don't really have an answer to that. He wasn't the perfect guy. He he made some fairly significant errors of, uh, of judgment and moral errors later on, having been called. We don't know why him and not somebody else, but we do know why in terms of purpose he chose Abraham, that that would be the beginning of the way that God would bless the whole world, starting with blessing Abraham. Why has God chosen you? He's chosen you so that you can be part of this great plan, this great project that God has to bless the whole world, starting by blessing you. You are part of that. It's not just about you. It is about you. You are, you are central to God's purposes, but you are part of this much bigger thing that He has brought you into when He has made you your son and daughter and blessed you, that the whole world might be blessed. And I just want to remind you this evening that that is His purpose for you so that your ways may be known on earth, your salvation among all nations, so that God might be known, so that Jesus Christ might be known. You know, in this great global interconnected world with the internet and all these other communications, do people really not know about Jesus? Well, we live in Vietnam. Vietnam, it's 95 million people. It's one and a half times the size of the UK. So we're not talking about a tiny little place, but a, a place packed with people. Their literacy rate is 95%, so they're pretty educated. Actually, they have tests they do around the world to check the level of education of 15-year-olds. And the Vietnamese 15-year-olds in science and maths regularly beat the 15-year-olds from the UK and from the States. 
They're better educated. And they're connected. One in three Vietnamese is on Facebook. So they're not lacking those things. And yet we find we have one member of our team. She's from Korea. She teaches Korean in the university. The first language the Vietnamese want to learn is, is English, because everybody wants to learn English. Their next favorite language to learn is Korean. She teaches Korean. She had a class exercise where each person in the class had to explain who their hero is, what their hero has done, and why they are their hero. So, of course, the teacher has to do it first. So she talks about Jesus Christ and who he is and why he's her personal hero. And then she worries a lot, because you really shouldn't do that in the university classroom in Vietnam. But, but nothing happened except that she got a big shock because her class of 30 students, university students, and I'm sure 100% of them are on Facebook, they're all going, we've never heard of Jesus Christ before. Who is this Jesus Christ? One of them, one out of 30, and a university student in a top university in Hanoi had heard of Jesus Christ. And she was shocked. We had a team come visit from, from the Philippines. Um, and one of this team, she was, she was quite a little girl. I'm probably exaggerating I mean, about, about this high. But, but she was just so full of the Lord and just so desperate to share about Jesus. And we were going around mainly praying because there's only a limited number of things you can do with visitors who don't speak any Vietnamese. And anyway, we were doing a bit of tourist sites along with our praying. And she said, that's older brother Ian. Is it okay if I, if I go off and you know, go around here on my own? And I knew she didn't really want to see the tourist site. She wanted to find some Vietnamese that she could talk to. And she found some Vietnamese students who had good English, and she had a conversation with them. And she says, after a while, she said, you know, um, uh, do you go to church? Church, she didn't understand church. So she said, well, well what do you know about Jesus Christ? And he said, well, is, is, he a, is he a pop star? And they quite seriously hadn't got a clue. And she came back, and it, it had really touched her heart, and she's now trying to work out how she can come back and serve long-term in Vietnam. Because people simply don't know. And we're blessed that people might be given an opportunity to know that your ways might be known on earth, your salvation among all peoples. And not just know, but may the peoples praise you, God. May all the peoples praise you. That they might know about God, but that they might actually know God and praise Him. Some of you will, will know this quotation from an American pastor called Jim John Piper, but he just sums it up so well. He says, missions is not the ultimate goal of the church. Worship is. And here is this vision of the nations worshiping God. Missions exist because worship doesn't. Worship is ultimate, not missions, because God is ultimate, not man. I'm a missionary, but I'm going to become redundant. If you're on the worship team, you have an eternal job, because we're going to keep on worshiping in heaven but we're not going to need any more missions in heaven because we have missions because people don't know, because people don't worship God. Because people don't know the wonder of knowing and worshiping God. This isn't a kind of, kind of forced worship. 
North Korea is a lot in the news, and I used to be quite involved in North Korea. And in, in North Korea, you have to worship the leader, the great leader and the dear leader, and there's different generations of these leaders. And I've, I've been to the place where there's these huge statues, and any North Korean going there, they have to bow and kneel and offer their worship to the leader. As a foreigner, I was able to, to say, you know, you go ahead, he's your leader, but, you know, I'll just watch. But they have to. But this isn't a, this isn't a forced worship. This is a worship of the heart. May the nations be glad. It's coming out of a joy that's come out of knowing the real God. Come out of knowing His character. For you rule the peoples with equity and you guide the nations of the earth. A ruler who rules with equity, with fairness. And, and, and it seems you all have that sense of, of fairness. If you have children, if you have more than one, they very quickly develop a sense of what's fair and what's not fair. And they're very quick to identify if, if you as a parent have not treated them both fairly. And we long for fairness. This morning in our service, we were talking about how would you fix the world and the problem of authority and the problem of authority that is not fair, that some people get a better deal because they're richer or more influential or they get a better deal because of their race or because of where they're born. And it is, our world is not fair. But here is a God who will be fair, who will be the perfect ruler. And, and though we don't perhaps like to recognize it because we're, we're, we're in individualistic and we want to rule our lives, actually, we need a ruler. But we look around and the rulers that we have, they're far from perfect. And we chop and change. They go from Obama to Trump and we go from Cameron to May and, you, you know, you, it doesn't seem to improve, does it? And yet here is a ruler to be under whose rule is great. Because it's not just political rulers, often it's other things that rule our lives. Some of our team are involved with the minority peoples in Vietnam. And pleasing the spirits rules their lives. If they don't keep the spirits happy, life goes bad. And, and, and they waste so much of the little wealth that they have on offerings to spirits and sacrificing their animals to spirits and, and things, things don't go right, but their lives are dominated by this. Or maybe their lives are, are dominated by drugs, like many problems. We have a drug problem in Vietnam, and uh, one of the pastors we know quite well said, he said, if I hadn't become a Christian, I think I would be dead because most of my contemporaries ended up on drugs, and most of them are dead. What do you do with drug addicts? The, the government in Vietnam doesn't really know what to do with drug addicts, and just two or three years ago, they invited the churches. The churches aren't really supposed to be trusted in a communist state, but you know, when you get desperate, anybody who can help. They invited the churches to come in and try and help with the drug addicts. Perhaps you can do something with them. They're, they're they're useless in terms of their contribution to society. Perhaps you can do something to them. And, and there's an opportunity to show that the church is there to serve. And it has good news that transforms the seemingly lost causes. 
when people come under the rule of God, the perfect ruler, for whom to have as king, for him to rule the people and to be your guide, you're then filled with joy because of your confidence. When somebody who is perfectly knowing, who is perfectly just, who is perfectly loving, is your guide, wow, what a difference from you know, whoever your favorite political leader is, if you even have one. But that is our God. And so this is their prayer, and this we're encouraged to make our prayer. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make His face shine on us so that His ways may be known on earth, His salvation among all peoples. And the question I want you to ponder tonight is what do we need to pray for ourselves, our families, our church, that God might bless us in order that the nations might be blessed? It's okay to pray tonight for us to be blessed, but we pray with this sense that God's purpose is that we're blessed so that we can better play the part in the center of His purposes for the world that He wants us to pray. What could that be? There, there are many ways to be involved in, in mission. In, in RMF, we tend to uh, identify six, not just going. We realize everybody can't come join us in Vietnam, but if you'd like to, you know, talk to us. Uh, learning and understanding is important. Praying, what we're going to, to do tonight, is essential. Welcoming is one of the key ways, and I've been reminded at the services this morning and this evening that all the new students are coming to Edinburgh, and all the nations come to Edinburgh, and, and so welcome, you know, the Scottish students and the English students, but those international students, those, those lonely, extra confused, not quite sure what to do students, it's such an opportunity. When we were here many years ago, we befriended a lonely a uh, Filipina girl, because we were going to the Philippines. She was just another lonely, trying hard, but feeling somewhat lost student in Edinburgh. When we visited her family in the Philippines, they sent the chauffeur, we went to this immense house, and we learned about their political connections, and we realized we would never meet this family as missionaries in the Philippines. But here, she's another lonely student. Amory's has Bible studies with a number of, of Vietnamese girls who have come to England. I think they're all in England, actually. Um, but there have been reached by people who reached out to them, and now they've come back to Vietnam. Some of them have come back to Vietnam as Christians. Some of them have come back as they're not quite sure where they are, and we're not quite sure either, but we'll keep them walking in the right direction. And some have come just with a, a love for England, but still an interest in this truth. But it's happened here as people have reached out to these lost and lonely and confused students and welcomed them, because the world is here. And the huge advantage is they already speak English. I don't know how many of you are going to learn Vietnamese. I suspect the statistic is very small. But I think you all speak English, and they will speak English. So, you know... That's, that's mission easy. And it's mission for everybody. I was in Germany speaking about Vietnam, and I met a German PhD student, a guy about 30, 
he had been reached in Germany <coughs> by a 75-year-old English lady. Now, this is a mismatch, but God uses the mismatches. And he'd become a believer, and he was just trying to find a church in Hanoi, in Vietnam, which was hard. So welcome them, and mobilize more people, and send more people, and, and go yourself. But ask this question this evening as you pray. What do we need to pray for ourselves, for our families, and for our church, that God might bless us in order that the nations might be blessed? And then we can sing this psalm as it's intended to be sung. Thank you.